Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Good morning, everyone. My name is Carrie. For those who don't know me, I'm one of the teachers here at Hope, and this is just like an amazing day, isn't it? Let's give one more just round of applause, um, just in celebration of all these people today who have chosen to publicly acknowledge Jesus and to um, just make that journey evident to the world. And so we're excited for all of you, and we'll continue praying over everyone here who made that decision, just that God continues to work in your life and walk with you. Um, So today, we are excited to start officially our Enneagram series that we, Tom and I kind of did a a co-teaching last week as a, uh, kind of to give an overview of the Enneagram. If you were not here last week, um, I encourage you, go back and maybe check out that message, because I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about what the Enneagram is, but the basic point that we are trying to make here is it's, it's a tool. It's a tool to help us know our personality and in that way to really understand our unique strengths and weaknesses. And this is not just about pinpointing who we are so we can label ourselves. It is first and foremost a reminder that we are all children of God, right? And that each of us God has made with specific personality and unique gifts and abilities. And when we're able to recognize our strengths and weaknesses, one of the things that does is it gives us a place for us to stand and surrender and say, okay, God, here are the things that I struggle with. Here are the things that maybe I have that come easy for me. And I want to surrender all those things to you so that you can work in my life and the weaknesses and you can take my strengths and use them for your glory. And then the second thing that we want to do in this series is to really say, okay, I I think and see in a certain way and I act in a certain way because of motivations that make sense to me, but everyone else around me may be acting and thinking in a different way and from different motivations. And so this series is going to help us have compassion and curiosity for those around us to truly love others as God wants us to love them. And so that is a second key piece of this series. And then finally, we're, re- we're recognizing that the more we understand ourselves, um, you, may, you may realize that you hear from God differently than maybe someone else does. Some people love to be in nature. Some people want to worship. Some people, um, you know, like to journal. Everyone communicates with God differently and I think hears from God differently. And as we understand ourselves, it's going to help us to grow in our spiritual discipleship. It's going to help us to, um, to understand how we interact and hear from God. And I want to make this very clear. Just as, um, you know, we would say that um, God made in the beginning man and woman in his image, and both men and women reflect God's image, I would say the same thing is true of all of our personalities. All of our personalities reflect God's image in a unique and beautiful way. And so God just so you know, he speaks your language. He speaks your, your personality. He knows how you hear from him best, and he knows what you need from him. And I just want you to remember that as we go through this series. There's no right or wrong personality. Everyone is a beautiful um, gift to each other, and we, we belong in the body of Christ for a reason. But today, we're going to specifically begin to look at each different number. And so we're going to start with number nine on the Enneagram. Um, and so the number nine is called the Peacemaker. What a great place to start, right? Um, I'm going to read an intro. Um, this is a mini synopsis from my friend Sarah, um, who I'm thankful, so, so thankful that she was able to share from her perspective as a nine. This is what nine life is like for her. She says, I don't like conflict. 
and I like things to be quiet and peaceful. Therefore, I don't like loud, busy places, but rather quiet places like my house when no one else is home. I also find nature very soothing. I don't like making decisions, and I'm happy to go along with what others want to do. I like having a schedule. I don't normally like spontaneity. I can get easily sidetracked or distracted from what I'm meant to be doing. I also tend to procrastinate, but once I get started on something and work hard, I work hard and I get things done. I don't see myself as that important, and I'd rather have the focus on others and not on me. So again, that's Sarah's uh, description. Maybe already one, some of you are relating to that idea. In fact, um, research shows that probably 16% of you here might relate to the number nine. Um, if I were to give the nine um, an animal description, it would be um, one of these two, maybe, uh, if, we have, if we have a couple animal pictures here. <laughs> we have the sloth. Which, which, by the way, I'm going to explain a little more because sloth makes people think of like laziness, but it's not, it's not just laziness, and we're going to understand a little more of nines by the time we're done, why they seem to be indecisive or lazy. And then we have the chameleon. This is supposed to be a chameleon. I don't know if that's what I actually found. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, this, I, have to, I have to share the joke. What do you call um, a reptile who can punctuate five times in a row? A comma, 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 chameleon. All right. I need Parker up here. Thank you. Um, so nines, as we're going to find out, one of the things about them is that they do not like conflict, and so sometimes they will merge with the people around them. In other words, they'll merge with the preferences, the priorities, and the agendas of other people. Um, how many of you have seen the movie Runaway Bride? Anyone? I know it's a, it's a while ago. Um, but in that movie... Uh, the main character, Maggie, she has been married like three or four times, and every time she gets married, you watch, she merges with the person around her. So when she's with the athlete guy, she suddenly likes hiking and doing the outdoorsy things, and when she's with, you know, the hippie guy, she gets the fake tattoo, and she's like, you know, and in fact, down to the kind of eggs that each, each person that she's with likes, she, she assumes she likes what they like, and by the end of the movie, you're like, she's sitting there trying all these different kinds of eggs, because she just wants to figure out, what on earth do I actually like for myself? And maybe if you're a nine, you find that it's hard for you to actually know your thoughts, your preferences, your opinions, because you're so used to kind of going along with what everyone else wants. So we're going to do a quick overview of the type nine. Words that might describe nines are accommodating, agreeable, adaptable, love harmony, they're non-confrontational, self-effacing, and avoidant. Um, we will find out soon that uh, the number nine is in the anger triad, which sounds maybe surprising at first, but we'll talk about that more. Um, the fear, their biggest fear is conflict and loss of connection with others. Their passion or um, emotional motivation, is another word to say this, is sloth. The motivation is to achieve serenity, preserve things as they are, avoid conflicts, and create harmony. Um, and their healing virtue, which could be seen as uh, sort of what would help them to be healthy, is to engage and to act. 
Now, I've heard it described that the nines, if you notice in our, in our chart that we've shown before, nines are at the top of the Enneagram, and I've heard it said that that is for a reason, because nines, more than any other number, are able to understand all the other personalities well. It's almost like they're sitting at the top so they can look down and they can see everyone else, and they kind of, kind of can say, oh, I see your point, I see your perspective, I understand a little bit of what makes you work. In fact, nines, probably of all the numbers, have the hardest time understanding themselves. They kind of suppress themselves. Unlike other numbers, nines do not usually want a spotlight. Man, they can kind of slip in and out of a room without calling attention to themselves. Um, I have a friend who's a nine, and uh, my husband, I think, is a nine. Um, and I, I laugh because my friend says when they go to parties and the two of them are together, they'll just kind of be like at the, the peripheral, and they just kind of stand there and just acknowledge each other's presence, and it's just like, oh, it's nice to know that someone's here that, you know, isn't going to have any expectations of me and isn't going to make me talk a lot. Um, and so the nines, again, don't, don't want to be put on the spot. Um, one of the lies they have to confront, and you'll see this as we go through here, is that they believe sometimes that they do not matter much, that their presence does not matter. Um, and so that is something that, that they have to overcome. A nine does not want to rock the boat and does not want a lot of expectations placed on them. Um, Ian Cron says it this way. I, I really like this um, definition. He says, he says, nines ask little of life, and they hope, that nine, uh, they hope that life will return the favor, right? They ask little of life, and they hope life returns the favor. In other words, they're like, I'm, I'm not going to put a lot of demands on other people or on, on life, but I surely hope that other people and life are not going to put too much demands on me because they kind of just want to kind of cruise and do the path of least resistance. Um, they can appear to be indecisive, and as I said, at times they, they merge themselves with other people around them. Um, sometimes I think that's because they are, if they don't believe they have a lot of worth or their opinions don't matter or they don't feel like they're being heard, they can just find someone with a more dominant personality or opinion and kind of say, okay, I'm going to find my significance in just going along with them. Um, you might ask them where they want to go to eat, and they might say, I don't know, I don't care, I don't know, whatever, wherever you want to go, let's do what you want to do. Their stance, we won't get into this in, in great detail, but uh, each, each number has a different stance, and theirs is withdrawing. The withdrawing stance kind of pulls back inside themselves and retreats and avoids. Um, so, again, there, if there's any kind of conflict, they're trying to, to withdraw away from that. Um, and so maybe one example would be if, if you're a nine and you have a favorite like retail store that's right on your way to work and you go there every week, and then one day you go and an employee there creates conflict with you and like is rude to you or makes a scene or somehow makes you feel like you know if they're a jerk to you you might just say i will never go to that store again rather than face conflict right you're like that's just nope it's too much i'm not going to do it you're going to withdraw from that um suzanne stabil is one of the the people who who's written uh, the road back to you and she says like if you are at a family um, gathering and you guys are making plans. She said, if nines are not included in the plan, they will just gradually kind of back away. And if they think the plan you're making is not a good one, they won't tell you. They just, again, they'll just kind of withdraw and like let you do your thing and they're not gonna, they're not gonna confront you about it. Okay, so the triad. You may wonder, we, I said the triad is the anger triad or the gut triad. How in the world is this peaceable, happy number in the anger triad? Well, as we will uncover, each, each number in each triad, there's, there's three numbers in the anger triad, um, and they each do something different with anger. So we're going to learn a little bit in the future. Uh, Tom will share about these numbers. But the eight 
The eight is the like assertive challenger. And so for eights, they externalize anger. They kind of direct it outward. And then there's the one. And the one is the perfectionist and they want to do everything right. And they tend to internalize anger. And sometimes it focuses at themselves even. Like they need to be, they need to be the best. They need to do things right. And the nine forgets anger or pretends it doesn't exist. So they're trying to suppress anger. And so the nine wants to look like, like they're not angry ever. They do not want to deal with, with anger because it is an, like, an unpleasant emotion. In fact, one thing you're going to find about nines and what I read about this week is um, nines have kind of a, a double-fronted battle. They are trying so hard to suppress anger within themselves because if it leaks out, it's going to create conflict with people around them. It's gonna, it's, they fear it's going to create separation between them and the people that they love. But they're also trying desperately hard to keep any kind of conflict from the outside world from entering into their inner peace. And so if you think about it, just constantly sitting here trying to push down anger and push out conflict, and that is a full-time job. And so nines spend a ton of energy, energy that they could otherwise use for things, um, for, for you know, passions and goals and plans. They spend a ton of that energy trying to keep peace everywhere. Okay, and so you might find, again, when we say that, that nines appear slothful, sometimes it's because they are so overwhelmed by all these, these you know, trying to keep the peace and the equilibrium um, that they just shut down, that they just, like at the end of the day, they don't want to deal with any more conflict. And so, like I read one book that said, a nine might just sit on the couch at the end of the day and literally fall asleep because they have so much that they're trying to just avoid and, and find peace from. Um, on that note, speaking of sleep, the sloth in nines, again, is not necessarily a laziness. It can sometimes be being asleep to yourself, asleep to your worth and your value, asleep to the things that are yours to do in this world. Because if you don't believe you matter, then you don't really believe that it's worth stepping out and doing something in this world. Um, Suzanne, um, or this might have been from Ian Cron, but the, the, the quote was that sly, uh, sloths, consistently and unconsciously neglect themselves and their potential role in making a difference in the world. And we're going to talk about that because with each number we want to talk about how you can become the healthiest version of yourself and how God wants you to overcome the lies that you're believing um, and walk in full freedom in who he's made you to be. Um, as a final note here, Suzanne says the nines can also be the most stubborn of all the numbers. And I also want to point out that nines, um, nines are very, um, can often be very supportive of other people. In fact, they have an easier time, like, um, challenging, or sorry, advocating for and helping run, helping someone else run with their passion, but they have a harder time exerting energy for their own selves and their own desires and their own goals. All right, so wings. We're going to talk about this very briefly. Again, um, if you want to do a little more research, I, I would encourage you to read some of these books that we're talking about. The Road Back to You is a great place to start. But the wings are basically, um, if you notice in the, um, I don't know if we have, if we can pull up one of the Enneagram pictures. So you're going to notice on either side of, you have a main number. So if you're a nine, on either side of you is, is two other numbers. So you might primarily be a nine, but you might have tendencies of one or the other number on either side of you. And this is another reason why I like the Enneagram, because it's less about trying to put you in this box, and it's more about saying um, we kind of have access to these, these different personality types, and by having access to these, we can engage in the strengths of, of other numbers and not just our own. 
So if you are a nine with an eight wing, that is the least common uh, uh, variation. Because if you, if it makes sense, because if you think about it, the eight is the challenger and the nine is the peacemaker. And so those two sound like they're diametrically opposed, right? And in fact, I've heard that some people say that when they are a nine with an eight wing, sometimes their eight assertiveness will like go out and like make a stand and do something, and then their, their, their nine self is like, oh my goodness, you just, you just caused chaos and conflict, and now I have to clean up after it, right? So if you find yourself, if you're someone that occasionally is very assertive, and then suddenly you're like, oh no, what have I done? Like, that could be you. The great thing, though, about nines with an eight wing is that you, tend to, you can draw on that eight side, and you can find yourself being a little more assertive and standing up for yourself and for what you need, and so you can lean on that as a way to be a healthier, um, a healthier nine. On the other side, the nine with the one wing, that's the uh, perfectionist. Nine with, um, Sarah would say she's a nine with a one wing, and she says that kind of helps her to, to stay prioritized and to, again, be more orderly and neat. And so, um, so you may find that if you're a, a nine with a one wing, that you're a little more focused on uh, your goals and the things you need to do. So... Um, as I promised, we're going to talk with each number about strengths and weaknesses. So I want to talk about some of the beautiful, amazing things about nines. The first is, again, if we talk about being a peacemaker, this is an obvious biblical strength. In fact, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Listen, we live in a polarized world, and it, it is harder and harder for us to have um, constructive conversations. It is harder and harder for us to, um, to get past kind of these, these major polarized issues. And so the beautiful thing about nines and what we can learn from them is that they can show us what it means to be a mediator, to listen to other people well. Um, I, I have another friend this week who said that for her as a nine, she said like if her family, if two people get into a discussion that becomes an argument, again, she hates conflict, so she tries to mediate between that. But she has a really good way of being able to say, listen, so-and-so, you know, my mother might be saying this thing, but what she means is this. And then the other person's like blah, 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 and then she's like, okay, okay, well, he's saying this, and what he means is this. And so she has this way of being able to be a mediator because she can see both sides and help people connect and merge. And that's a gift to us in the body of Christ. James 3, 17 through 18 says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so if you are a nine, I just want you to know that you have such a gift to give to those of us in the body of Christ and such a gift for a time as this because in a polarized world, we need your ability to see more sides than one. We need what you have to offer. Nines, you may also find that when you read certain verses, you're like, man, I just do that automatically. I don't even know why someone would have to tell me that. So Philippians 2, 1 through 4, you might read this and say, yep, check, I've got it. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, each of you looking not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And again, We'll get into this a little more because nines, I think, can do this to a fault, right? They could almost put other people's interests so far ahead of theirs that they, that they do that in a way that's actually not God's heart, right? Because God doesn't intend for us to, to put away what we need or what 
um, what our desires are. But nines are very good at this. When it comes to unity, when it comes to peace, when it comes to like, um, let's be of one mind. They're like, I don't understand. There doesn't need to be any division between anyone. Why? Why? Let's just all be happy. Can't we get along? Right? That's, that's the nine spirit. And so again, I think nines can really bring us into God's heart to be um, unified. When it comes to valuing others, nines tend to defer to others, not pursuing selfish ambition. And so again, that can be a strength that nines bring. The weakness, however, and often, as, as you'll understand as we go through this, sometimes our greatest strengths can also be some of our greatest weaknesses. And so for the weakness for nines, um, first of all, you need to remember that true peace is not always the absence of conflict. True peace is not always the absence of conflict, and sometimes you can create a surface peace which masks deeper issues. Um, Listen, this is just my own like assessment, but I think I come from a nine family. Not that all my, not, not all, all the people in my family were nines, but I grew up in a family where like, you don't have conflict, you do not, like anger is just, we don't have that. No, anger, what, what anger? Like everyone's just happy and we always would apologize. Like if you, my siblings and I are all like, I'm so sorry, I'm just, I'm so sorry, did I like, um, and the thing is, I think what happened was we, we would kind of like stop an, an argument or a confrontation before it even really happened. So as an adult, I realized I did not learn well as a child how to deal with conflict. And so I got used to kind of this surface level piece. And it is a challenge to understand that, that actually having confrontation and, and working through issues and resolving things actually leads you to a greater peace. Than this, than this kind of fake peace that we can have when we avoid conflict. Um, so maybe you recognize that in yourself or maybe you recognize that in your, in your family and you maybe need to learn that it's okay to step out, it's okay to have conflict and in fact, not all anger is bad, okay? I think as a church too, we can do that sometimes. Um, sometimes we can settle for a fake peace in the church where we say, oh, let's just all, again, let's over get along and we can avoid maybe standing up for things that are really important for us to stand up on. And I would say if we look at Jesus' life, um, if you think about it, Jesus was um, the Prince of Peace, right? And yet when you look at Jesus and the way he interacted with others, he was not afraid to confront people. He made people very uncomfortable sometimes, right? He's flipping tables over. When it came to things that were justice-oriented, Jesus was not afraid to create conflict because he knew that sometimes if, if, we don't, if we don't confront those things, then we create a fake peace that is not in line with God's heart. Um, so nine weaknesses might be avoiding action, forgetting that they matter, being passive-aggressive, finding fake peace, or numbing. I think, again, that's another way if nines are withdrawing, if they're trying to avoid conflict or any kind of, um, of thing that may be um, unsettling to them, you can, they can find that they default to kind of numbing or, or strategies as a coping mechanism. Um, one thing is if nines, if nines think they can avoid action, one of the reasons I think they procrastinate is, well, if I just don't make a decision, I can't make a mistake. Maybe that's how you feel. And the problem is, by, by not acting, you make maybe one of the biggest mistakes of all, which is that you don't live your life. And by not saying what they want or what they need, they think they won't create conflict. And as, as you probably know, if you are a nine, sometimes that creates more conflict. Because the people around you are like, come on, just say what you want. I don't want to have to sit here and try to figure it out, right? And so a couple verses that I would say that might be challenges to you as a nine are, are the first one would be James 4, 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. 
And I'm going to actually give a, a second layer to this because for nines, often you, you may not even know what is yours to do. You may have spent so much time trying to avoid, um, again, believing that you don't matter, that what you do doesn't matter. Um, you may need to know, first of all, that God actually does have a plan for you. He has prepared good things for you in advance to do. And so he does want you to step out and live into the fullest life that he's made for you. And so part of your, your challenge this week might be to sit with God and say, okay, God, what is it that you actually want for me? What is it that you actually are calling me out to do? And then as, we, as you begin to hear God's voice and let him speak that to you, then say, okay, I'm gonna step out. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put it off. Proverbs 24 might also be um, a challenge to you. It says, sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look, but they find nothing. And again, this is more about don't, don't fall asleep to yourself. Don't fall asleep so much to your dream that, you know, you could be, a nine could be someone that wakes up 10 years from now and looks back and says, man, what did, I, what did I do? Maybe I didn't actually pursue the things I wanted to pursue. Maybe I kept pushing those things down so much that now I don't feel like I have this harvest to show for, what I, you know, for my life. Don't sleep to your own life. Believe that you matter and that God wants to do something incredible through you and that will help you to not procrastinate, to not procrastinate and not put off the things that you know deep down you want to do and that God wants you to do. Um, I put First Kings 22 up there, um, and that was just a, a side note. Um, if you look in the Old Testament, the, um, sometimes you'll see that the prophets in the Old Testament, some of them listened to God and, and would speak truth, and other prophets would just kind of say what everyone else around them wanted them to say. And so if you read First Kings 22, you'll find that, that there was this prophet that was being pressured. Like, all the other prophets are saying this. Why don't you just go along with that? and say what, say what everyone wants you to say. And he refused, and he stood up for what he needed to say and for what was truth. And you're going to find as nines, um, nines can meet this place that's called right action. And for some nines, these, they're going to have these moments in their life where they just say something kind of falls together, and they have this clarity, and they say, no, I maybe, maybe normally I don't act in time, maybe normally I procrastinate, but this situation is in front of me, and all of a sudden they know the right thing to do, and they do it at the right time. And so for, for you as nines, you may have these moments in your life, and as you have those moments, it's going to remind you. It's going to remind you that you can step out, that you can make a difference, and that your voice is important. Um, just a side note on procrastination for this number. Um, Suzanne Stabile says that procrastination can be a big problem, and she would encourage you to, to understand that later is not a point in time. Later is not a point in time. If you keep saying, I'm going to do that later, I'm going to do that later, I'm going to do that later, later never comes, right? So we have to learn to let God propel us into his story. All right, let's look for a second um, at how this personality might play out in every, everyday scenarios. Um, again, Sarah gave a great example from her marriage. She said, um, so if, if, if Tom is on, home on a Friday and says, oh, I'm home, you're home, we have the day off, let's do something, she might say, I'm sorry, I had plans. And then when Tom finds out that those plans were actually her getting chores done around the house, then he feels like she didn't want to hang out with him. But for her, she feels like she had been looking forward to getting stuff crossed off her to-do list, um, and she feels like this spontaneous plan is a disruption. But one way you can work with a nine is, is that for her, she says, if, if Tom will see on Tuesday, oh, hey, we both have Friday off. Why don't we make a plan ahead of time? Then she's looking forward to that, and she can go, and it doesn't feel like this disruption because it was planned. 
Um, she said sometimes nines, she can get into trouble because she wants to be on everybody's side. So as a parent, this can be, this can be tricky. Um, she said sometimes, um, in fact, people can get mad at her for not supporting them because she feels like she's in the middle trying to support everyone. Um, but on the best side of that, as we mentioned before, she's able to really mediate and bring out good things in her family. Um, this is important. With friendship, she says she's not usually the one to initiate things um, or reach out. And I have someone that I know that, that is also, I think, a nine and, again, does not often reach out to others to hang out. But that does not mean that nines do not want to spend time with you. Okay? And, in fact, I would think it's, it's actually a really beautiful gift if you know a nine, if you can occasionally check in on them and let them know you're thinking of them. Um, but for Sarah, she says she might go a long time without seeing a friend, but then when she does see them, she instantly feels like she's connected. Okay, and nines have a beautiful ability to kind of um, to pick up with people, to be easygoing with people, and get along really well with a lot of people. Um, she gave another humorous example that I thought I would share. She said recently someone um, like backed into her car, and they got out of the car, and they were so upset, and they were like, I'm so sorry. They were very apologetic, and Sarah said that she was like, it's fine. It's really fine. Don't even worry about it. The car's old. It's not a big deal. Um, and then she said also not taking their name or insurance was the easiest thing to do, and nines like to take the easiest way when possible. Um, so again, you begin to notice these things about yourself, and as Sarah's story shares or reveals, when you know these tendencies about yourself, you understand, oh, that's why I'm doing this, and you can, you can evaluate, is this, you know, is this a good thing, is this a bad thing, do I need to let God change something here? Um, I will try to skip ahead and not take too long here, but as parents, nines can be a beautiful gift to their kids because you're supportive. You can see both sides. You can really encourage them and support them in the things they want to do. Um, on the flip side, though, sometimes nines need to learn to be firm and set boundaries with her kids. I know nine, uh, Sarah said that about herself. She said sometimes she can be a pushover uh, because confrontation is uncomfortable. Uh, but again, now that she knows the Enneagram and her kids do, she says, listen, right now you are appealing to my nineness, and you know that you're going to eventually wear me down, and that's not fair, so knock it off. Okay? So again, this can be a way, again, to help other people know how to interact with you. And I would say, just add to that, Proverbs 19:18 says, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. I think... I know, it's, again, it sounds funny, but I think, I think we can feel, as, as a nine, you may feel like, oh, I'm just loving everyone by letting them do what they want to do and supporting them, and that's beautiful. But there comes a point where we have to recognize where um, if we're not challenging them, if we're not calling them out, then sometimes we may be becoming a willing party to their death. Um, how to work with nines. This is important, and this is, again, one of the key things we want to focus on here. Um, nines need to feel valued and seen. Okay, you need to make an effort to include them and acknowledge them. Nines may not want a lot of public um, praise, but that doesn't mean they don't want to know they are appreciated and valued, okay? Um, and this is important, too. Um, so if a nine believes that they don't matter, Ian Cron would say, you need to be really careful that you do not co-sign that lie. Be very careful you do not co-sign that lie, especially with your kids who might be nines, okay? So if, they, if a nine tells you what they want, if they, if they finally stand up and say, this is what I want to do, or they reveal their preference or their opinion, if you kind of just say, oh, well, you know what? We're going to go with someone else's opinion because they have a stronger, a stronger personality here. The nine begins to hear over and over again that that lie is true that what they think doesn't matter because no one seems to be listening or paying attention. So do everything in your ability to honor the nine when they say what they need. 
um, they need a chance to safely practice asserting their opinions. Um, maybe you have to help them practice. So if you say, let's go out to eat, and they say, I don't know, I don't care, say, if I wasn't going out to eat with you, where would you want to go if it was just you? Right? Maybe help them learn what they would want to do. Um, nines might find that they have an easier time saying what they don't want to do than what they do. So maybe start there. Start with what you don't want to do and work your way up. Um, rather than just giving them advice, we're going to find later some personalities are advice givers. But instead of just giving an advice to a nine, try asking them questions to help them critically think about their life and their own decisions so that they can make a decision that is not based on trying to make someone else happy. Um, resist taking advantage of their personality. Um, nine, uh, Sarah also mentions that nines, uh, if, if, they, if they go along all the time, they might also begin to be, develop a resentment because they keep going along with what everyone else wants. So recognize that just because they seem happy to go along with everything all the time, there may be some anger that's, that's forming in there, right? So recognize that. Also avoid nagging or demanding. These can make nines feel stubborn, okay? So if you're, like if you've got a nine kid, maybe you don't just like push, 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 push. You gotta recognize when you're pushing so hard that they're actually kind of just silently digging in their heels and they don't wanna do anything that you say. Um, okay. Again, at friendships, you may find that the problem with nines is not that they're aggressive, but that they're over-accommodating. So it's finding ways to help them um, to be able to say clearly what they need, or if they're being passive-aggressive, trying to ask questions to help them clearly say what's actually on their mind and what's bothering them. Um, if you suspect you have a nine child, like I said, um, recognize they might go along with what you say 90% of the time, and then every once in a while they may have this like crazy stubborn streak. Um, that might be a sign that you have a nine. Um, sometimes they are going to go along. They might even like little things. They might even like overeat on their, their, all the food on their plate because they're trying to make other people happy. So just be aware of how you can, um, again, let them assert themselves sometimes. Um, and we also have to realize that as much as they don't want conflict, we have to sometimes as parents let them experience conflict and hard things. We can't always protect them from those things. They need to learn how to cope with those if you are a type nine, I want to talk just briefly as we wrap up here about things you can do to be a healthy version of yourself and then ways that you can, um, maybe verses that will help encourage you in your spiritual journey with God. Uh, so first of all, we didn't talk much about this, but um, with the Enneagram, you're going to find that you are going to are connected to all these different numbers. And so there's a certain number that you might go to when you're in strength, when you're in health, and there's a number, not, another number that, whose personality traits you might take on when you're stressed. And so for a, for a nine, when you're stressed, you may start to take on the number six traits, which is where you're going to find yourself being more anxious, more rigid, more reactive. Um, and so you can begin to notice those things in yourself and when you're, when you're going into stress. And then um, one thing you can do is tap into the, the three. And when you're in strength or when you're in health, you take on the healthy attributes of a, tree, of a three, which is the achiever. So for a nine who normally may be slow to, slow to act, slow to do, the three is, is great for them because it helps them to be productive, to have more self-confidence, to see themselves as, as if they matter more. And so that is um, one way that you can, um, again, be yourself, but, but then also stand out and, and realize that you can make a difference in the world. 
if you struggle to accomplish goals or if you struggle to know what your, what your, um, even your goals are, I would encourage you to find someone to hold you accountable. You know, find someone who you say, I really want to do this thing and I'm afraid in 10 years that I'm going to regret that I didn't do this. So I would love for you to check in once a month, once a week and, and ask me, are you doing that thing? You said you wanted to go back to college. Are you going to do that? You said you guys were going to take this trip. That's what you wanted to do. Have you, have you, you know, booked a vacation? And maybe have someone that checks in on you and encourages you to step out and do those things. Begin to recognize when you're irritated and angry. Okay, that is not a pleasant thing for you. You don't want to recognize anger, but begin to notice that in yourself. Um, and, and begin to then ask yourself, you know, because honestly, the more you stuff, the anger is going to leak out somewhere, right? And it's actually much better if you can own that anger and, and learn to be direct and harness that a little bit and recognize that truly, if a relationship is, is a strong relationship, anger is not going to blow that up, okay? I know you fear losing connections. Number four, and this is something Sarah mentioned too, um, you're not in control. God is. You maybe you're spending so much effort trying to, to control all the things around you and suppress your anger and, and keep the conflict out, but God is the one that is in control. And Sarah reminded, uh, reminds us of the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God's got you and he's holding this. He's holding your life and you do not have to be the one that keeps everyone else um, peaceful and without conflict. Recognize, number five, that you matter and that God has called you to good works that were prepared in advance for you to do. Um, and also, and when you, when you um, are, are trying to seek God and spend more time with him, you might find that nature is a really great place for you to do that, or maybe somewhere private and alone. Um, and I think that also gives you the opportunity to spend time with God without trying to, to figure out what someone else wants you to be or do and without having to merge with someone else, and you can just be with God one-on-one. -on -one. Um, <clears throat> also, one thing you can do is to notice when you are retreating instead of engaging. Sarah mentioned this, um, and again, I'll share this. Uh, I apologize, I'm going a little over, just a couple more minutes here. Uh, but Sarah said last year, Tom said that she read 365 books, and she says that was false. She says it was actually only 175 books, which is not a book a day, she says, but a book every other day. <laughs> Whilst that, while that may sound impressive, she said, uh, she realized she read that much in the years 2020 and 2021 when the COVID pandemic came. And she said, really, it, she found out it was her way of shutting down and shutting out the hard things that were happening around her. And while Sarah makes this great point that it's okay um, for us to need to have a coping mechanism for those difficult things, it's not healthy to ignore what's going on around you. So as a nine, recognize when you're shutting down and withdrawing and ignoring that. Um, at a practical level, Beatrice Chestnut says, you need to increase your tolerance for constructive conflict. Do things that bring discomfort Learn to say no more often. Nines have a hard time with boundaries. Man, they don't, sometimes they don't know where they end and someone else begins. So learn to say no and stand by it. And I'm just going to end now with three verses um, that, I want, that I really believe will encourage you as a nine. And maybe even if you're not a nine, these verses might just encourage you, especially if you're someone who doesn't necessarily feel that you matter much. And so first of all, to you, I would say Psalm 139, 14 through 16 my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You desperately need to know that you are never invisible to God. He saw you before you were even born, before you were formed. 
and he loved you, and he still loves you, and your life matters so much to him. Even in the, in the Bible, it talks about how God, if, when he has 100 sheep, if, if 99 are saved and the one is lost, he's celebrating and rejoicing and seeing that one. You are that one, and God sees you, and he cares deeply about your life. Second, if you fear that, that when you begin to follow God, if you fear that he's going to put a lot of expectations on you, and you're worried that it's going to be too much, I want you to listen to, the, to this passage um, in the message version of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. It says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And here's the, here's the key part here. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If you are nervous nines that, that God's going to put demands on you that are too much for you, recognize that God wants you to be able to rest. He wants peace for you. And when he puts plans and purposes on your life, it's not ill-fitting. It's not going to feel cumbersome. It's not going to feel um, like this burden to drag around. It's going to actually invigorate you and help you to understand your purpose in this life. And finally, I would say John 16, 33. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That's hard for us nines, for nines to hear. You don't want to hear that there's going to be trouble, but Jesus says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And this goes back to what Sarah said, guys. We're not in control. We are not in control of creating peace everywhere for everyone else, and we are not in control of, of even keeping our own peace. We have to learn to let go and let Jesus be that peace in our lives. So I just want to pray over us as we leave here. Um, God, I thank you that you have made nines. I thank you for their beautiful gift, for their um, ability to love and listen well. I thank you for their hearts. And God, I pray over each person here that they would know their incredible worth in you, that they would know that you made them so specifically and that you love them and you see them. And if people hear nothing else today, God, let them know that. Let them know they are valued by you. Um, God, lead us out and to take steps out of ourselves and into the plans and purposes you have for us. We love you and thank you so much um, for everything you do for us.